Stewardship Sunday. You may not be aware of this or even the fact that there is such a thing that we emphasize at First Baptist Walnut Ridge as Stewardship Sunday. But in budget planning meeting uh, over the past year in 2019, for this year that we're in now, 2020, your church's finance committee uh, began talking with each other and during uh, the times of prayer and those meetings that uh, I was involved with with them, they began to notice some things um, about First Baptist Church from Walnut Ridge. Uh, one is that our expenses were oftentimes greater than our receipts. That is, we were spending more money than church members were contributing. Uh, we also noticed that our church hadn't had any type of teaching emphasis on stewardship in quite some time. And so with a couple of those thoughts in mind, the finance committee began uh, thinking about what we could do to help educate and inform church members about the church budget and also how to manage personal finances and how to be generous givers in the Christian faith. And so uh, they came up with the idea of stewardship emphasis throughout 2020. There's four of these days planned throughout the year when there'll be a Sunday school lesson emphasizing stewardship, and I'll also preach a sermon from the New Testament based upon financial stewardship principles, all right? So today we're going to look in Matthew chapter 6 as I talk to you about the idea of stewardship. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. And I want to talk specifically to you today about the idea of eternal investment. Eternal investment. When you hear the word stewardship, what really ought to come to mind is that you and I are stewards of the resources that God has given to us. Those resources can include time. Those resources can include energy. Those resources can include strength, ability, spiritual gifts, natural talent. Those resources also include the financial gifts that God has given to you. You might say, Jake... God doesn't give me anything. I work hard for what I get. I have no doubt that you work hard for what you get. But who gave you the ability and the mind to do what you do? To get your hard-earned paycheck. That comes from the Lord. We ought to give Him thanks and we ought to be wise stewards of what He has given to us. So here's what Jesus had to say about stewardship in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So as we think about this passage this morning, I want you to have 
in your mind two different points of reference through which we should understand Jesus' teaching. All right? The first is simply this, your personal finances. How do you use your personal finances? Do you worship your finances as God? Do you think that if you just have a bigger bank account or more stuff, that everything will be better? Or do you use the finances God has given you to be a blessing to others around you? Do you make charitable contributions? Do you directly give to people who are in need? Do you support the work of First Baptist Church and other organizations that are about caring for other people and teaching God's word and making disciples of all the nations the great commission that Jesus has commanded of all of his followers? That's the first frame of reference I want you to have in mind, your personal finances. And then second, our church finances. I want you to think of does our church store up for itself store up for itself treasures on earth? Or are we about investing in eternal treasures in heaven? Is our church about accumulating more? About looking like the big church in the community? Are we truly about caring for people in need and choosing to spend our time, our energy, and our money investing in making disciples now it might sound like a question we don't really have to ask ourselves but it's a question that we ought to right i mean i don't know if you're aware of this or not but do you know who approves the church's budget every year thank you miss Rhonda. you do did you know that I don't know if you're aware of this or not. You know, some, some Baptists have gotten to be real good Baptists and they hate business meetings. But I want to remind you of some of the greatest business meetings that ever happened in the New Testament were in the book of Acts. And in those business meetings, people prayed and people gave and people testified at what God had done and what God wanted them to do in the future. Folks, listen to me very plainly and very clearly. If you are a church member of First Baptist Church in Walnut Ridge, it is your responsibility as a church member to give to support this church and to make sure that this church is doing with its financial resources what God intends it to do. I knew I'd hear crickets on that one this morning. And this is why this is so difficult. I could stand up here and say, hey, you need to give more money to the church. But that's not what Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus doesn't tell people, I need more money to support my ministry, so give. Jesus tells people, life is about more than money. Ministry is about more than money. So instead of viewing money as the end-all, be-all, measure or metric of church success or personal success in life how about you give God yourself how about you give God everything how about you serve the Lord as your God instead of money and you use money as a tool to bring God honor and glory in the way that you live your life and in the way that you minister in his name all right so th this this is the idea it's not that our church needs more money. 
I mean, I don't know if you notice this or not, but throughout the New Testament, the church is one of the poorest organizations in the Roman Empire. Yet they make the biggest impact, don't they? When we start thinking that if the church had more money, we could do more good, then we have missed the boat. The church doesn't need more money. The church needs to become more dependent upon God and more generous with the gifts that God has given us. And that's when God will continue to grow his church and continue to expand his kingdom as we invest in eternity. So I've got three questions from this text that I want to ask you based upon what Jesus teaches. The first question I want to ask stems out of verses 19 and 20. What do you treasure? What do you treasure personally when you look at the way you steward your financial resources? Check out your your bank balance, your last statement that's come in the mail or over email. Look through your checkbook, open your mobile app on your bank account, and stop and think about where you're spending your money, where you're wasting your money, where you're using your money, how you're using your money. The next time our church prints out a financial statement, it's in the bulletin on Sunday mornings. Take a look at that. Look, even ask our finance committee. They may hate that I'm going to do this, but I, I am. We've got some good folks that serve on our church's finance committee. By the way, do you know who approves the folks to serve on our church's finance committee? Okay, good. I was just making sure you guys are tracking with me this morning. All right, so uh, we got Miss Rhonda Clements. Rhonda, would you mind just wave your hand over there? Ms. Rhonda Clement serves on our finance committee. Ms. Lila Floyd back there serves on our finance committee. Mr. J.R. Cox, I think he's, he's out this morning at Gatekeepers. He's out in the hallway there, so you can go give him a hard time after church if you want to. All right? Um, and then where's, is Rob Anderson here this morning? No? Okay. Rob's not here. Mr. Philip Midkiff, he's out with the William Singers. So those are the five that serve on our church's finance committee. If you ever have a question about what our church is spending its money on, I challenge you, I would dare you to go ask them. I mean, ask them. They serve in our church faithfully for a reason, and you, as faithful church members, want to be informed, right? You want to know. Ask them what's going on with our church's finances. Talk to them about the budget. Ask them questions. Ask them this question. And maybe even ask yourself this question as you look at that financial statement from our church. What does our church treasure? What do we value? I took this wonderful course when I was a student at Williams Baptist College with Dr. Walter Norville. And uh, he, he told us in church administration class that a church's financial statement was really its mission statement. Why did he say that? Because you see where the money is going and you see what the heart of the church loves. You see where the church is investing its time, its energy, and its financial resources. What do you treasure personally? What does our church treasure? I really think it's interesting the way Jesus phrases his teaching here in verses 19 and 20. You know, the, the New American Standard Bible that I'm reading from this morning says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. But really, the the verb that Jesus uses is the verbal counterpart of the noun, treasure. I mean, you could basically ask or or state Jesus' teaching this way. Do not treasure for yourselves treasures on earth. 
Do not treasure for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and, and they steal. But treasure for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's the place where moth and rust don't destroy. That, that's where thieves don't break in and steal. And I really think it's interesting, don't you? That Jesus talks about treasuring the right things and treasuring them in the right way. I mean, on this earth, people think that the more they can accumulate and hoard and store up for themselves, the happier that they'll be. We have so much stuff sometimes, we forget what all we have. I mean, just stop and think about our American culture and society from a personal standpoint. You want to? <laughs> Some of you shaking your heads, no. We've got storage bins for stuff we haven't accessed in two years. I mean, we do. Think about it this way, even in this sense. How many copies of a Bible do you own? And yet we still seem to keep buying copies of the Bible to give to people as graduation gifts or on special occasions, yet we seldom ever actually take time to read the one copy we carry around with us a lot of times, right? It, it's almost like we've got the facade all figured out We've got all this stuff, but there's no real substance. We seem to be able to collect a great number of things that are really of no <laughs> tangible value. Now, I remember growing up, and you know, my brother and my dad and I, we all like baseball. Baseball cards were the big thing. Guys, I, I, can't, I don't know how many tens of thousands of baseball cards that we have that between the three of us, I don't even know where they all are. We haven't looked at them in 15 years at least. Those are pieces of thick paper, cardboard with pictures of guys that can hit a ball with a stick. And yet we think when we get more of these type of things that, oh, this is worth something. Man, what are you treasuring on earth? How are you treasuring it? And I mean, when you stop and think about it, is the stuff that's sitting in your storage bin really going to last? Sometimes it won't even make it through life on this earth. And even if it does make it through your time on this earth, it, what's going to happen when your time on this earth is done? I mean, you can spend your life trying to spend all of your money to get as much stuff as you want to make yourself happy, but at the end of the life you live, how much of it can you really take with you? You know, in the Old Testament, Job says something kind of interesting, and I kind of chuckle a little bit. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb. And in other words, I was just born without clothes, without possessions, without money, without, without anything. And then he said this, naked I shall return, I shall go to the grave. Isn't that interesting? I mean, people can even dress you up in nice clothes and put you in a nice casket and stick your body in a, in a nice vault and bury you in the ground and put a nice headstone over it and they can have nice pretty flowers. But you don't get to hold any of that in your hands when you go stand before the Lord in heaven. Hmm. Naked, I came from my mother's womb and 
naked I shall return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is what Job says. So Jesus says, if, if you can't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, I mean, you could try it if you want to, but it's, it's not going to help you out for eternity. What does Jesus say we should do instead? He says, treasure for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's where moth and rust don't destroy. Clothes can't, can be moth-eaten, but eternal garments of righteousness can't. Rust can destroy precious metals here on this earth, but rush can't. Rust can't destroy an unfading crown of glory in heaven. Thieves can't break in and steal the eternal life that Jesus grants to us, the forgiveness of sins that he offers to us. And Jesus gives us even the reason why we're not supposed to store up treasures on earth, but we're supposed to store up treasures in heaven. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will will be also. Where is your treasure? What do you treasure? And this is why this is such an important question to ask yourself about the way you use your personal financial resources. And this is why it's such an important question to ask about our church as we steward the resources God has given us as a body of believers. Where our treasure is, is where our heart is. Where our treasure is, is where our heart is. I want to ask you this question as a church family. Where's our treasure? I mean, where is it? Is it in a, a nice, pretty building? God's blessed us with a pretty amazing facility, hasn't he? And we thank him for it. But is the goal of our church to have the prettiest and the nicest facility? We use the facility we have. We, we need to take care of what God's given us. But we have this facility so that people can meet in here and worship the Lord. We have this facility so that we can help people who are in need in our community. We, we use this facility so that people can come and gather and learn how to follow Jesus and fellowship together as a family. Is our treasure in a building? Or is our treasure in the people? that come into this building? Do we choose to make an eternal investment not just in providing upkeep for a physical facility or not even in just building a new building, but are we using these things that God has given us to make an eternal investment in the lives of people around us? Coach Anderson, uh, Blake Anderson from Arkansas State uh, University shared with a group of men who ate breakfast here yesterday morning and uh, some of you know his story. Um, I won't share it all with you now, but he's, he's a widower now. His, his wife uh, passed away back in August from a battle with cancer. And he shared with our group of guys very honestly and openly yesterday morning. He said, you know, I've come to realize that life is about far more than I thought it was in the past. He said, you know, I, I value time. You can't buy any more of it. He said, we, we've got to make an investment with our time that counts for eternity. I mean, you can spend your time now trying to accumulate stuff for yourselves. Our church could spend its time trying to build a nice building, trying to, trying to do all these things that would make this organization, this institution, look better in the eyes of the community. Or we could choose to invest our personal time 
and building up others. And we could choose to use our time as a church family actually caring about people instead of just the organization. Coach Anderson also said, I view people as the real eternal investment, relationships. It's not just about my personal reputation and how good I can look in front of the eyes of others, but it's about the people that are closest to me and the people I need to be closest to. He talked about loving his wife and loving his children and loving the players that he's coaching instead of it just being about press conferences and this person thinking he was such a great superstar of a coach. And he also talked about the idea of comfort, peace. Not, not physical comfort from a standpoint of, you know, I want a nice big cushy chair to sit in at the end of the day, but a peace that passes all understanding that's with you even when the days are hard, even when your wife's battling cancer, even when things look bleak in the culture around us. Is our church taking peace and comfort in the fact that Jesus Christ still saves people from their sins? What do you treasure? What does our church treasure? We ought to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. Second question from Jesus' teaching in verses 22 and 23. How well do you see? How well do you see? Jesus said the lamp of the body is the eye, right? So have you ever done this before? You ever closed your eyes? Just go ahead and try it right now. Close your eyes and tell me how many fingers am I holding up? That was my daughter. She had her eyes open, by the way. You need to listen to your dad next time. All right. Hey, can you see when there's no light? You can't. And so Jesus is, is talking about the eye being the point that light is received into the body, right? The, the lamp of the body is the eye. So if your eye is clear or if your eye is healthy, some translations will say if your eye is generous, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, some translations will say evil or diseased, or even jealous, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light which is in you is darkness, then how great is the darkness? I mean, Jesus is pointing out that there's really only two ways in which you can see. Either you can see because you have the light, or you can't see because you don't have light. How well do you see? I mean, and here's what I'm asking. Not so much can you tell how many fingers I'm holding up when I'm standing here on this stage and you're looking at me from the pew, but what is your focus on in life? Maybe really that's where Jesus is going with his teaching. It is. What are you choosing to look at? What are you fixing your gaze on? What are you seeking in life? If your eye is healthy, if it's generous, then your whole body will be full of light. But if, if your eye is diseased, if it's unhealthy, if it's sick, if it's evil, if it's bad because there's jealousy there, greediness, then your whole body will be full of darkness. What you see is what you will seek. 
So if you look to money, you'll always lust for more. Really, this analogy of external perception paints a picture of the internal corruption of our hearts, doesn't it? Really, our our eyes look, our eyes go where our heart goes. If our heart is set to accumulate more personal wealth, man, how deeply in the darkness are we going to live? But if our eye is set to how we can be generous to others, how we can demonstrate compassion to those in need, how we can make an investment in their lives, then our body will be full of light. Think about how Jesus lived his own life. Think about how Jesus went about his ministry. Jesus would even tell a group of guys that he was recruiting to follow him and some who had volunteered to follow him that he, he didn't even know where he was going to sleep some nights. Foxes have holes in the ground and birds of the air have nests in the trees, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus wasn't about getting as many physical comforts in this world as he could. Jesus was about making men become men who would follow his Father in heaven, who would follow him. How well do you see? Is your eye blinded by the shining possibility of accumulating more wealth? Or is your eye focused on the godly life that the Lord wants you to live? If you're walking in light, then you're walking in light. But if you're walking in darkness, you're walking in darkness. And Jesus is really getting to the point where he's saying, you're either in the light or you're in the darkness, but you're not in both. How well do you see? How well does our our church see? I mean, do we we look around at the hallways that have been filled with children and teenagers on Wednesday nights? And do we just see places where the sheetrock has been patched and we think, man, we got to fix that? Or do we see the people moving through our building? Now, look, we got to fix holes in the wall, right? But aren't you thankful we have holes in the wall because we have people here? I mean, listen, listen. It's not about the physical stuff. It's about an eternal investment in the lives of people. And sometimes it's going to get messy. Sometimes things are going to be broken. Sometimes things are going to get a little crazy. But our investment in souls is of eternal consequence. So how well do you see? Are you just looking at the external stuff, the temporary stuff, or are you looking to eternity? Are you seeing the real stuff? Third question comes from verse 24. Whom do you serve? What do you treasure? How well do you see? And whom do you serve? Jesus said no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Maybe this will help out a little bit. You can't be a devoted St. Louis Cardinals fan and a devoted Chicago Cubs fan. It's not going to work. I can tell you that right now. Even my Chicago Cubs fans in the back say amen to that, right? There we go. You can't like both. It's not going to work that way. In Jesus' teaching, he said, you can't serve two masters. Really, he uses this word lords. You can't have two lords. 
either wealth is the boss of your life, being dirty, stinking, filthy, rich, or the Lord, the good and gracious God, is the Lord of your life. You can't serve God and wealth. Like Joshua challenged Israel to serve God or those false gods beyond the river in Joshua 24, 15, you've got to choose who you're going to serve. Like Elijah challenged Israel, serve God or serve Baal, but you can't keep trying to do both. You either choose to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or you choose to serve the almighty dollar. I can tell you where my trust is, and I can tell you where your trust should be. We all know it should be in the Lord, right? I mean, we've even got it printed on our dollar bills in this country. In God we trust. But oh man, how big of an oxymoron is that sometimes? In God we trust, but yet the God that we serve is so oftentimes that money that we hold in our hand or the money that's in our bank account or the money that's in our billfold or in our purse. Jesus wants us to think long and hard about whom we're serving. We ought to serve the Lord who gives us life. Who is our church serving? And that's a good question to ask, isn't it? Are we serving the, the Lord? Are we choosing to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Or are we choosing to serve the other people around us that are on God's heart? Or are we choosing to serve ourselves? Giving a financial contribution that pays for our preferences and that pays for us to be taken care of. Who is our church serving? Who's the master? You know, I, I asked you a, a question when this whole thing started, and Rhonda was right, so I'm not going to detract from this answer. It, who, who approves the church budget? You guys said the church. Let me ask you this question. Who ought to set the church budget? God. About three or four of you got it right. The Lord ought to set it, and we ought to be in such prayer to him and we ought to be listening to his voice as he directs our church to move forward in the way we minister to others that we say okay God we know this is what you want us to do God ought to set the church budget and the church ought to say yes Lord this is what you want us to do and we'll be faithful to obey and to give and to support what you're telling us we need to do it's just how it ought to work I want to share this little story with you as I close. Because to me it just kind of captures the, the heart. It really the, the answer to these three questions that I've challenged you with this morning. What do you treasure? How well do you see? And whom do you serve? Some of you have had the opportunity to meet uh, Jonathan Hutchison. He's, he's come to church here quite a bit over the last three or four months. If you haven't, He's usually here Sunday nights and, and Wednesday nights. Uh, rides our church van that goes to, to pick up in Walnut Ridge. Uh, Jonathan graduated from Hoxie High School a few years back, and he is 31. He's the same age as I am. He reminds me of that all the time. Uh, Jonathan is a, is a guy that has Down syndrome. He's about as nice of a fellow as, as you'll find. Um, and uh, and he, you know, he'll hop on the church van Wednesday night, Sunday night. He'll come up here to church and... I mean, he'll, he'll just, he'll talk to you, ask you all kinds of questions, and he just, he's curious about a lot of things. 
Well, one night, one Sunday night after church uh, service was over with, I was going back to the Mac uh, to go help round up the teenagers and the kids to get on the church van and take them home. And Jonathan was coming with me, and he said, Jake, wait, stop. I said, okay. He said, I, I got something I want to give to your church. I said, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. He, Jonathan's not a church member here, but he loves this church. He enjoys coming. And so he, he reaches into his pocket. And it was kind of like this, uh, almost like a secret pride that he had. Um, he probably wouldn't even want me to really tell you, tell you all this story, but I got to. It's so good. He reached into his pocket, and he, he was just clenching his fist. He opened it up. He had eight pennies in his hand. He said, Jake, I, I, I want to give this to, to help your church. He said, we, we love coming. And so he, he's got uh, brothers and sisters and cousins that come. And so he, he said, I want to be a part of this. I said, okay. So we came back around here to the sanctuary. We got a little offering plate that was up here on the communion table. And man, he put those pennies in that offering plate. And he walked out. Nobody knew that. You didn't know that, did you? He, he wasn't doing it to be noticed. He, he put those pennies in that offering plate. And man, he couldn't have been happier to be a part of what God was doing through our church. Went back to the van, got on, came and went home. I want to ask you, is your heart that way? Do you treasure the things of eternity? Are you, are you making an eternal investment in your personal life, in the way that you steward your financial resources, but also is our church, is our church treasuring things that are in heaven? How well are you seeing? Is your vision blinded by material wealth? Or do you have an unobstructed view? of God's glory, and a real heart to reach people. Whom do you serve? That's really where the rubber meets the road. Either you're serving the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or you're not. Maybe your God is money because the truth of the matter is the real God you serve is yourself. You're spending money on things you want, you're doing with your time what you want to do. You're using your strength, your energy, all of your resources to make yourself feel better and be happier. Folks, I can tell you this right now. You are not able to give yourself eternal life. Money can't buy you eternal life. But Jesus can and will give it to you if you'll follow him. And maybe you're here this morning. And you don't need to put money in the offering plate. What you need to do is give your life to Jesus Christ. That's really the eternal investment that God wants every single person to make. And I know it because God sent His Son Jesus Christ to this earth to live a perfect life and then to die on the cross for the sins of the world so that everybody who believes in Him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life God has made an eternal investment when he gave his son Jesus for you and for me would you choose to respond to his love if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior would would you give yourself would you give your life to him he'll save you he'll give you eternal life I ask our musicians to come and Nick to come and lead us in a song of invitation. And just where you're seated this morning, 
Maybe you just need to bow your head and close your eyes and, and ask the Lord those questions. Ask Him to examine your heart. Just be honest with what God shows you. Ask God what you're treasuring. Ask God where your treasure is. Ask God what you're seeing. How well you're seeing spiritually. Ask God if you're really serving Him or if something else is the Lord of your life. As this song is played, I'll be standing down here in the front. If any of you need